Good morning. How are you doing? Um, so we're into the second official Sunday of Advent, and we've lit the Advent calendar, ca- cal- candle, candle as part of that. I don't know, is anyone else in a bit of denial that we're already into Advent? We're at this point of the year. Anyone else? I'm definitely at that point. I'm not ready for this point of the year yet. But for the next few weeks, we're going to take some time to try and help us situate ourselves here. Don't let it rush us past, which can be the thing that can so easily happen in December, isn't it? And before we do that, though, just to kind of help shift things a little bit, because I know you've heard lots of people talking at you for a little while, why don't you take a moment just to turn to the person beside you and say one or two words which describe how you're coming into this Christmas season. So one or two words which describe how you're coming into this, this month. So why don't you do that for a second? lot of words. (laughs) Great. Did anyone say the word busy? The busy feature? We've got two busies, a few busies. Any other busies? (laughs) That's definitely a word that I would use. In in my huddle last week that I was leading, um, the very wise Josh Uman turned to me in the huddle and said, so Zach, how does it feel to be anticipating a baby coming at this time of year? And I was like, that's profound. I haven't... I haven't thought of that. (laughs) I don't have time to think about that right now. (laughs) But that's the reality, isn't it? We can so quickly get caught up in the busyness of this time of year that we miss the whole purpose of it, the whole reason why we're given this month of Advent. Brian Zand, who um, uh, who you might know as a pastor in America, said these words. He said, the demand of the secular Christmas season is to be in a great hurry but the aim of Advent is to instill a quiet slowness into our soul. I'll say that again. The demand of the secular Christmas season is to be in a great hurry, but the aim of Advent is to instill a quiet slowness into our soul. It's very true, isn't it? We rush towards Christmas. December can be written off by plans and preparations and buying presents and saying thank you to everyone and us watching our balance on, on our bank accounts slowly drop down over the course of the month right? And it all pit the, the peak of it, the pinnacle of that time is then a few days where our expectation levels are way up here and our energy levels are way down here and we're crammed in a big room with lots of family. For lots of us, that can be our experience, isn't it? Which often those two things don't really come together particularly well. <laughs> That's how we can end up approaching Christmas. That's how Christmas can catch us off guard. And yet the intention behind Advent, the reason why it's part of the Christian calendar and part of our year each year is to try and do the opposite is to try and slow us down and to relocate us within a story which has been part of those who follow Jesus for the length of time that Jesus, since we've been following Jesus, and before that too. The invitation of Advent is to slow down and to invite Jesus to locate us again, to be reminded of why the Israelite people prayed with, with yearning the words that we sing, just and we can sing without thinking, those words that will come, will come, Emmanuel in ransom captive Israel. We, we get a chance to really think about why is that the case? What was it that they were longing for? And what is it that we long for too? And so with all of that in mind, 
we are approaching the Christmas story again, and we're going to read Matthew's Gospel, just a few verses, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. So why don't you read along with me? Matthew, chapter 1, 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you've been around church for a while, or been around carol services, or seen any nativities, you'll be very familiar with these words. You've probably heard kids dressed up in angels say these kinds of words. Actually, I preached a sermon on these, this exact passage this time last year. <laughs> so it's very familiar words to us. And the part, part of that means that then we can sometimes lose the impact of them because we're used to coming back to them at this time of year and engaging with them in a certain way. So I want to do something a little bit different. And so stay with me. Hopefully this works. I want to talk about this box. We've got a box here. And also, just to, to clarify, there's nothing particularly exciting in this box, but we're going to pretend that there is. So before I do anything with it, you can get your hopes up. There's nothing that exciting about this box. But I want you to imagine... I'm going to give this to you, Rebecca. Here you go. Here's this box. The contents of this box are going to change your life, the life of your family, and be like heaven on earth. Imagine that was true. Imagine I'd just done that and given you that box. Imagine that you'd just received a box like that. Yeah? What, what would you do? What would you do when you got home? If you had that box in your hands, if I'd just given it to you there, what would you do? Think about it. Take the lid off. What if the lid wouldn't open? I forgot to say that part. <laughs> that's the key part. The box is, <laughs> contains of something that's going to change your life, the life of your family. It's like heaven on earth, but it will open itself. You can't open it no matter what you try and do. It will open at the perfect timing. Keep it safe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What else? What would you do immediately? Just today, even. What would you do with the box? Other people can shout it. Watch it. Stare at it. Yeah, you'd shake it. Yeah, that's, I heard that somewhere as well. I would be sit, I'd put it in the kitchen table. I'd sit at, and look at it all day. And then, you know, you go to the toilet and then run back through. It's like, is it open now? It was, maybe it's open. Maybe I missed it. Then you'd go to bed that night and you'd have it beside your bed, wouldn't you? And then you'd wake up regularly through the night saying, maybe the box is open while I was sleeping. Has is is the lid come off yet? No, it's not come off yet. You'd do that, right? We'd all do that because if we took it seriously and the contents of that box is going to change my life change the life of my family and be like heaven on earth. I'm going to watch it as closely as possible for, until it does, something happens because it's going to be pretty significant when it does. So you imagine one day turns into two, you do the same the next day, you take the box with you everywhere you go, you take it to work, or maybe you even quit your job because you're like, well, I won't need a job if the contents of this box are going to change my life. And so I call up Andy, he's like, Andy, I'm really sorry, I'm going to hand in my notice. <laughs> I don't need to work for Central anymore. I've got this box. It's going to change, change my life. Um, so you do that, and then get to the end of that day, the box isn't open. And then days turns into weeks, turns into months, turns into years. And you still have this box, and it hasn't opened. 
what do you do then? You, well, you still believe that it's true. You still believe that the contents of that box are going to change your life, but it hasn't opened. And so you keep it, you keep it somewhere obvious. You maybe probably keep it somewhere like a shelf in your living room. When someone would come around, you'd say, you'd never guess what's in this box. The contents of this box are going to change our life and the life of our family. It's like heaven on earth. You'd repeat it because you believe it's true. Now imagine decades have passed. The box still hasn't opened. You're now at a different stage of life. And actually, there's been times where you really longed for the box to open. There's been times where it's felt like this would have been the answer to this really challenging situation. This would have been the thing that changed our circumstances when we really needed it to. But it hasn't yet. And actually, you get to the point where you start to think, maybe this box isn't going to open for me. Maybe I won't get to see what's inside this box. And so you think, well, what will I do? Well, I believe it's true. Somehow, even for me, but also for my family, it's going to change our lives. It's going to be like heaven on earth. You can pass the box around if you want, because it's quite heavy. So other people can look at it. <laughs> so what do you do? You begin to pass it to the next generation. You say to the next generation, you renew the story. You say, this box is going to change our life. The contents of this box are like heaven on earth. And you keep passing it around. And so generation after generation, this happens. And each person who carries the box thinks maybe it's going to open for me. They renew their faith in that box. So the contents of that box are going to change my life. Generation after generation after generation, this happens. And then over the course of time, because your family's expanded, because it's been passed through year upon year upon year, some of the stories about what's in that box might have begun to grow, right? Because what would you do when you gather together as family? You'd talk about the box. Of course you would. It's the big thing. It's the thing that might change your life. So you have a family gathering and everyone's like, oh, what do you think's in the box? And uh, someone would say, oh, you know, maybe it's a weapon. Maybe it's something that means that we can take whatever we want and have this kind of security around it. Maybe it's something financial. Maybe it's a book that will solve all of our problems before we even know we have them. Maybe it's deeds to land, which is big enough that all of us could live on. Those kinds of things, people throwing in those kinds of suggestions, and the stories get embellished around what might be inside this box. There's actually chocolates in the box. You've all just missed them so far, but if you open the, <laughs> open the lid. <laughs> 42 generations of people carry that to be true. That's, that's what Matthew chapter 1 tells us. One life, life cycle after life cycle, lifetime after lifetime of people carrying a promise which for us, we, we need something physical because we live much more materially. We, that's, that's the way that we work. But for the Israelite people, they, this was as true to them as a box that we're carrying around right now. This promise that they've been given that one day something was going to happen that was going to change their life, change the life of their family and be like heaven on earth. That's a promise. And that's what Matthew 1 tells us. And so at the start of Matthew, there's this, all of these names, and we can skip over them as if it's this intro that doesn't really mean anything. But all of those names are the advent of the Israelite people. It's, the, it's what advent means. It's all of these people who waited on and anticipated the coming of Jesus, who waited on that box opening. So I'm just going to read the names quickly because we can so easily skip over them and we recognize some of them, but each of them represent a lifetime of someone waiting for the equivalent of that box to open. We have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Perez, Hezron, Ram, Aminadab, Nashon, Salmon, Rahab, Ruth, Obed, Jesse, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Manasseh Ammon, Josiah, Jeconiah, Jethiel, 
Zerubbabel, Abihud, Eliakim, Azor, Zadok, Akim, Alihud, Elizar, Matan, Jacob, Joseph. Each name was a life spent trusting in the promises of God. And each name represented someone who waited, wondering, will this be for us? Will this happen in my lifetime? That's the Advent story. You know, this is the context. This is the story we're supposed to grind ourselves in at this time each year. And it's with that as the history. Has anyone actually eaten the chocolate? Did anyone take any? Or have you all just been very, you've all taken the rules very seriously. The box isn't open. No one takes the lid off. You can have a chocolate if you want. That's the context. Now imagine there's an ordinary couple in this, in this family who have now received the box. That's their generation. And this Joseph. Joseph's taking the box. He's the next person to carry it. And he knows what it means. He's been retold the story. He carries it true to himself as well. At some point, this promise is going to come to fulfillment. That it will be like heaven on earth. And then he's in the middle of that. He's in an ordinary life, and a scandal hits. His fiancée, he's about to marry, is with child. And immediately he would think, well, it's not going to happen for me then. My life is too messy. Our family is too messy. I might not be, even be able to continue with this marriage. And yet somehow, right in the midst of that, the equivalent of the, the box starts glowing. <laughs> the box is going to open. The thing that this, this family, generation upon generation, has been waiting on, they're wondering who's it going to be for, who's going to have the fulfillment of this promise, is going to open for Joseph. In the middle of this mess, they find out this box is going to open for them of all people, for them of all times in history, for them now. And as the box opens and the lid opens up, they discover that it's not a weapon. It's not the deeds to a land. It's not a book that's going to solve all of their problems. It's not all of these things that maybe have been added on to the story as families have been gathering and talking about it. Instead, it's a note to say the baby that's in your fiancé's womb is the answer to this promise. This growing embryo in Mary's womb that at the moment is just forming fingers and toes and living dependent on its, the nutrients its mother provides, protected from the world, this ordinary baby somehow is going to be what they were waiting for all of those generations. So can you imagine what they'd have been thinking at that point? They'd be amazed. Like, why for us? Why has God chosen us in the midst of this? How will this happen through a baby? And maybe probably just a little bit confused because they probably expected something slightly different, something a bit grander, something a bit more put together, something a little bit less chaotic than a newborn child. Because the reality is that's kind of what we prefer. That's what we prefer, wouldn't it? If, if we had an option, if we were thinking, what would be the solution to that? What would we like to find in the box? We'd like something that's like a problem solver. We want something that is a solution finder for us, right? A way of giving me control over my destiny and giving me comfortable life moving forward. That's what we'd expect to find in a box like that when someone promises it to us. Financial security, the, yeah, deeds to land, whatever it might be, that's what we'd be hoping for. And instead, the answer to this promise needs feeding and changing and being taught how to walk and talk and learn how to laugh and cry. It requires something of Joseph and Mary. 
And all, on top of that, there are still loads of unknowns. They still have st really no idea how it's going to work. How is it that this baby is going to save all people from their sins? And in fact, if you read through the Gospels, it looks like Joseph has died before Jesus' ministry begins. And so even though Joseph sees this box open, the equivalent of that, he doesn't even at that point get to see it fulfilled. So with all of that context, what, what do we know? We, what we know is, the truth is, that even though that would have been confusing for them, that the way that God chose to work in creation is so much better than any way or any plan we could have come up with on our own. This way of working is that God chose to get involved in a mess that he didn't make. And as John chapter 1 tells us, Jesus enters his world, the world he created, even though it got to the point that it couldn't even recognize its creator anymore. That's what John 1 tells us. And not only that, that God the Son, Jesus, became dependent on two ordinary, messy, sinful human beings. That was part of the plan for salvation. That was the way that he chose to answer this promise. Not with good ideas, not with good arguments, but by saying, here I am. I'm going to be present. Come and see me. Come and get to know what God looks like. Divinity and humanity held together in me. And the, throughout this month, we're going to take some time to unpack what that means, what that word Emmanuel, God with us, really means from week to week. But the point I wanted to just name this morning is that this is our story too. This isn't just a history lesson. This isn't just something that we do is like to pretend for a month as though this, is, this hasn't happened to us yet. It's our story too. Emmanuel first is a present reality for us. God is with us. That's what Advent's about. That's what Christmas is about, to remind us of that truth. God is with us. In our ordinary day-to-day -day lives, as we rush about with our preparations and are distracted and busy, God is with us. He is waiting to be found. If we will just take time to turn aside and look. I love Fee's design of Emmanuel because it's, it's exactly representing that. And amongst each letter, people getting on with their day-to-day preparations for Christmas, that God is there amongst us. And there's a poem by Jared Manley Hopkins, which talks about this as well. It's very well known. Some of you might have heard it before. But it says these words, Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his, to the fathers through the features of men's faces. I'll say it again because it's wordy, but it's lovely. Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. So my first encouragement to us is don't let the busyness of this season distract us from the whole reason why we engage with Christmas. And actually, I don't think it's uh, coincidental that the time of year which is supposed to make us most present the fact that Jesus is with us is a time of year which we can feel least present to it, right? I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that's neutral. I think there's probably something particularly unhelpful about that. So how can we, at the start of this month, choose to take some time to set aside, to allow this to be our story again, to remind ourselves of the truth of what Advent means to us, that God is with us? Maybe you could take a moment to even think just now, what is the rhythm that you want to set up? What is the thing you want to do each day? Or even 
if you already have that in place, what do you want to just remember, remember just now? This is why I'm doing this. This is why this is important. Just take a moment to think about that. What might God be drawing your attention to? It might be something small, maybe something you're already doing, like like TO365, like that kind of app. It could be something physical that you want to have set up in your house or you've already put up that you want to use as a reminder to ground you in this story. But I just encourage you to take more time to think about that if you haven't thought of something just now. So that's the first thing. Emmanuel is our present story. Emmanuel is also, this, this is our message to others. It's our witness to those who don't know Jesus yet. When we choose to open up our lives and our homes to others this time of year, God is with us. Emmanuel, waiting to be found in every heart and home who welcomes him and revealed in us to those who don't know him yet. That's why we're encouraging you to consider hosting a community party. It's not the answer to all of that, but it is a way of saying we're going to try and open up our lives to others and, and expect that Jesus will meet those people who haven't come to know him yet as we do that. So think about ways of doing that if you haven't already as a community of, of opening up your lives to those who don't know Jesus yet. And then finally, so Emmanuel is our present hope. It's our witness to others. And Emmanuel is also our future. This box that we've been holding, that we've been carrying around, this is our box too. We are also in an advent. God is present to us just now. And that is the first part of this story that we're in. Emmanuel, God is with us. But Advent is also something that we are looking towards. At one point in, in, in the future, in the final days, God will be with us forever. Emmanuel will be our story for eternity. Revelation 21, which is right at the end of the Bible, talks about that and sets this picture of a city where God will dwell with us and us with him forever. And we can too easily skip over the fact that, that is this, this is our story, that we are in an advent too. We wait for Jesus' return, that we situate ourselves in this story, and we are part of a generation upon generation upon generation that has done that. Because we know that this, while we know that Jesus is with us here and now, this isn't all there is. There will be a time where we will know him in full. And so I'd, I'd love to just pray for us as we close and come back into time of worship, that, that we'd be present to the story again this time of year and amongst everything that's going on and also that we carry perspective to know this hope for the future. So why don't you stand with me and let me pray for us. Father, I know even in myself as I look forward to the next couple of weeks and all that there is to do, the preparations to be made, the things that are still undone, that my head can be so caught up in that. And I'm sure that's for the same for many of my fa- church family here as well as this morning. God, I, I ask that you'd help us not to get so distracted by those things or so caught up in, in them, so caught uh, with all of our attention in them that we miss you this time of year. Would this be... Um, um, in this moment just now, would you remind us of your presence? You're the God who is with us. And would this also be a moment that we're able to find at other points in amongst the busyness 
and amongst the fullness of this, of this month, that we might find time to turn aside and remember. And not to do that as just an intellectual thing, but to do it with you in your presence. And God, I ask also this morning that you'd renew our perspective where we can get so caught up in what's right in front of us. God, would you remind us that there's a time coming when we will know you in full, that all of our hopes will be answered in you, in your presence. Would you renew that hope in us again this time of year? I say it in Jesus' name. Amen.